Welcome to First Principles Podcast. Uh, this is Trees. And this is Elliot. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about some stuff related to electricity and um, kind of like the green side of electricity, the renewable energy side of electricity. There's been a lot of talk about incorporating more renewable power sources such as solar, wind, geothermal, hydroelectric, mm. nuclear power, so on and so forth into the current electricity grid and we're going to be looking at that just what the status of that is and just and how it ties into certain policies as well there's you know the green new deal which obviously has gotten a lot of talk and you know how does the green new deal look at things like electricity production how do they view nuclear power and so on and so forth there's going to be like a lot of analysis on electricity power generation all that good stuff yeah definitely seems like the wind is blowing towards decarbonization and i think it it's more important now than ever to discuss the right way to do this and the wrong way to do this and with the current uh, win in the u.s elections right now by by biden there and uh kamala um we're gonna see a lot more of this uh being uh, discussed and i think um if you haven't checked out our last episode on the Green New Deal, definitely go back and check that out. We dissect the Green New Deal in detail and give our uh, thoughts on it and what we liked about what we didn't like about it. And this will be a little bit of an extension on that podcast. Um, but we're changing up the format a bit here. Uh, you won't be able to see our pretty faces on YouTube for this. This is going to be an audio-only podcast uh, episode. And... We, uh, we're going to do a bit more media dissection in this podcast than maybe you've seen in our past episodes. And don't cry. It's okay. You're, I know you're super sad. You're not going to see our faces, <laughs> but no worries. Don't worry. We still have faces. Yeah. <laughs> Most importantly, we do have faces. Okay. Yeah. So that's an important point. We're going to start with doing some media analysis, digestion of clips, pop culture mm -hmm. really just trying to take a look at the culture you know we've uh, i think it's undoubtable that we've entered the culture wars so it's important to digest how the culture is impacting things like environmental movements things like green technology so on and so forth so we're going to be digesting whether it's newspaper clips whether it's videos whatever and trying to hold people accountable or maybe not hold people accountable but just really assess how things are moving how culture is shifting and uh analyze it from first principles as is the goal of this podcast couldn't have said it better yeah and i think it's really important because right now it's so easy to follow news on the topic of climate change and uh, energy through headlines and uh, as most people know uh, headlines nowadays are very misleading uh the amount of information you could glean by taking a bit of time to actually dig a bit deeper than the headline, not just reading the article, but go back, you know, what did politician A, B say, actually, what did this head of this company actually say? I think that's important um, because so much is taken out of context that uh, without taking the time to uh, 
to actually dig into these things, you can leave um, with a very misguided uh, sense of where things are actually headed. So there's a lot to cover in this uh, area, in the environmental area, uh, and we could talk and talk, talk about it. Um, so we're going to we're gonna chisel away at this in small chunks and, uh, and try to stay up to date with uh, what's going on in the world in regards to climate change, uh, new environmental um, uh, technologies, um, innovations, and, uh, and keep you informed in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All the policies, the technologies, the engineering, how it all ties. Yeah, we'll be uh, going in on that stuff. Um, do you want to jump into some of these clips you, we have uh, set up here? For sure, for sure. All okay. right, so I wanted to uh, take everyone back to uh, October 7th. Um, when we had uh, the 2020 vice presidential debates in the U.S. Um, we had Vice President Mike Pence uh, debating uh, Senator Kamala Harris. Um, this, uh, I don't know, I think they got millions of views in the States. It wasn't, I, I don't know how long people actually stayed tuned into it, but up in here, Canada, here in Canada, I only heard bits and pieces of the debate Um and so what I want to go through is one in particular question that relates more to the uh, climate uh, and environmental policies of these different parties here. Um, one thing to note, uh, this, is, this debate was moderated by uh, Susan Page. Uh, she's an American journalist, and she uh, is currently um, the uh, Washington Bureau Chief for, the, for U.S. Today, which is a, a large uh, media company in the states uh, if you didn't know um so when you're listening to this clip uh what you're about to hear is going to be the question read by susan page i think it's very important to listen to the adjectives and qualifiers in the question um go ahead and play the clip and vice president pence i'd like to pose the first question to you this year we've seen record-setting hurricanes in the south another one hurricane delta is now threatening the gulf and we have seen record-setting wildfires in the West. Do you believe, as the scientific community has concluded, that man-made climate change has made wildfires bigger, hotter, and more deadly, and have made hurricanes wetter, slower, and more damaging? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Okay. So what a lengthy question that is. And it's funny <laughs> because as you're watching uh, this um, from the feed that I was watch, I snipped this from. This was a YouTube video of the debates as they were broadcast on Fox News, which tends to lean to uh, the right to a more of a republic audience. Um, but the question that was read by Susan, uh, that po was posed to Mike Pence, was condensed to this question: Do you believe climate change has made wildfires and hurricanes more intense? That's a much more succinct question, and if you look back at the qualifiers in the original question, it makes for a very politically hard uh, make it makes it very politically hard for Pence to respond. And let me, let me bring up two parts. So they they add this in. She says, "Do you believe, as a scientific community has concluded, right there, that's an extra little bit that mm -hmm. there's some contention." That man-made, that's another part, climate change, 
is responsible for making wildfires bigger, hotter, and more deadly, and has made hurricanes wetter, slower, and more damaging. So let me let me just <laughs> go off a little bit on on uh, these two different uh, you know qualifiers that were in these questions. So first off, this whole you've heard this you know the the scientific community has concluded. Well, and you might have heard someone say you know ninety ninety seven percent of scientists agree, um, and. If you go to NASA's website, they uh, have an article there, and I want to read you uh, a little uh, excerpt from it. So on NASA's website on climate change, they say this. Multiple studies published in peer-reviewed scientific journals show that 97% or more of actively publishing climate scientists agree, and there's an asterisk here, that climate warming trends over the past century are extremely likely extremely likely due to human activity activities in addition most of the leading scientific organizations worldwide have issued public statement statements endorsing this position the following is a partial list of these organizations along with a link of their published statements and a section of related resources so i'll read you some of the the Mm -hmm. different uh organizations here that uh, that have endorsed this, and you know, we have the American Association of Advancements of Science, and they're saying, based on well-established evidence, about ninety-seven percent of climate scientists have concluded that human-caused climate change is happening. You know, we have the American Chemical Society saying the Earth's climate is changing in response to increasing concentrations in greenhouse gases and and particulate matter in the atmosphere, largely as a result of human activity. And then it goes on and on. We have the American Geophysical Union, American Medical Association, American uh, Meteorolog- Meteorological Society, American Physical Society, sorry, Physic, a physical society, mm-hmm. uh, the geo, uh, the Geological Society of America. Okay, okay. So, a bunch of them. Uh, there's a lot, a lot <laughs> of active <laughs> players here, right? But let's go back. I want to, you know, they put this little asterisk in there on their site. So here's the asterisk. It was right after. Um, the first sentence there that said multiple multiple studies published in peer-reviewed scientific journals show that 97% or more of actively publishing climate scientists agree. Asterisk. The asterisk says this. But agree what? Agree, agree that, well, it should go on, agree that climate change is happening and it's man-made. That's what I conclude. Right. So uh, in the asterisk that they add on NASA's website is this. Technically, a consensus is a general agreement of opinion, but the scientific method steers us away from this to an objective framework because opinion is not really what we're going for here because opinion, you know, this is, when you're talking objective, it means without the influence of personal feeling or opinions, right? In science, they're saying facts or observations are explained by hypothesis. A statement of a possible explanation for some natural phenomena, which can then be tested and retested until it is refused or disproved. Okay, it goes on. As scientists gather more observations, they will build off one, uh, off one explanation and add details to complete a picture. Eventually, a group of hypotheses might be integrated and generalized into a scientific theory, a scientific, uh, a scientifically acceptable general principle. Of principle or body of principles offered offer to explain a phenomena okay so this is this is very important for this to be clarified here because of the three percent of of uh of there's three percent of 
journals that aren't explaining it's that uh, climate change is through man-made sources and they've been peer-reviewed okay and i think this is very important uh fact to always realize is just because a majority has an opinion okay doesn't mean it's always correct in this case i think it is correct let me preface this by by saying this and i think it's always very but i think it's always important that we encourage people to look at alternatives especially in the scientific community that alternatives need to be considered because you might have a set of uh you know hypotheses that explain it well and repeatedly but you could still be completely off and you know when we head what we seem to be heading towards right now is uh scientific dogma where we've given science the absolute authority and with dogma comes the lack of being able to dispute it, uh, to question it. And if we get to that point, that's a very dangerous point to be because we've just given one thing we've given the scientific community extreme power and power is corruptive, tends to lead to corruption. So mm-hmm. just want to point out here, okay, I, I have no problem with 97% of scientific papers believe that man-made climate change is happening, but it just wanted to point out a few you know, parts of what that mean. And also always remember, you know, 97% of people raising their hand or saying A doesn't mean that A is correct. It just means the majority mm-hmm. of people think A is correct. You know, it still could be the 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, so right there, because you know the Republican Party, you know, will tends to lean, well, from what I've seen, to look at that 3% of, of papers that d- don't contribute man-made uh, impacts or uh, influences towards climate change, they point to those studies more frequently than perhaps the left does. And so right away, it's this is just a hard question for him to answer. I wanted to jump over to the man-made stuff. And while the man-made stuff is, is pretty clear, I think I've already said that, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those descriptors that's just very contentious and they didn't need to throw it in and they actually cut it out when they wrote the more succinct question. So let's go over now. Um, actually, no, before I do that, this is what I thought when I heard that question. I'm like, okay, uh, interesting question, but not really. So what? Like he's going to answer this, and I know he's not going to answer it directly. But personally, okay, I would. I, this is what I would think is a better question to ask in a presidential debate. Something like this. Okay, hurricanes and wildfires are hitting America hard. What measures does your administration plan to implement to aid with this problem? Okay, I like this way more because mm-hmm. this allows both sides to open up, you know, uh, open up about maybe some sort of novel solution they have to it. Because even if you can't agree on what's causing it, that doesn't mean you can't come up with good solutions to to uh, to solve the problem. For example, let's talk both hurricanes and wildfires. Hurricanes, okay, gl- climate change is making them... Uh, you know, hit harder, right? But they're still happening. They've been happening for years in in America. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we still continue to build cities near the water. Great. It's hard to move people away from their home. It's economically, it's difficult to do. But what I would want to hear from an administration is you don't need to agree on why the hurricane's hitting hard. But if you agree that the hurricanes are hitting hard, what are you going to do about it? And that, you know, so that's that's where I'm like, they're getting stuck on, trying to argue over um, something that's not as relevant to helping um, the people that they're supposed to be helping. Uh, yeah, like you want to be more specific about the issue, essentially. Like you don't want to just say like, okay, the issue is climate change. Do you agree on that? No, the issue is 
uh, pollution. The issue is water quality. These are like specific things you can name. And it's a bit more concrete than just leaving like broad terms and then arguing over semantics and broad things that really don't have an impact on people's day-to-day lives as opposed to like the really like meat and bones type of stuff, you know? Exactly. And for going specifically back to climate change, if you have an administration that agrees, you know, to tackle head-on climate change, it's going to take years, years, 50, 100 years for a lot of the things that we do now. My understanding that if the measures implemented now will still take a lot of time for them to 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 help balance that. And it's not even going to necessarily always reverse it. It's just going to stop it from increasing. So what does that mean? You're still going to have hurricanes. They're still going to come and hit, hit, hit. We don't need to focus on, on, on why this is happening. It, you really need to go, okay, for fire, for wildfires, can we do, you know, something better about managing our forests and stuff like this? And this is something that Republicans will, you know, just tell you all about, you know, how they're going to help with this. So to me, it's just like, let's, let's look at solutions again here to a problem instead of arguing about why the problem is happening. Although I think it is important uh, to, to, you know, acknowledge what the majority of scientists are telling you. But I think here in this political stage, not necessarily the best, uh, you know, you know, best, uh, best question that could be, could be asked in the presidential debate. Okay, so th- this is Mike Pence's response. I want to listen to this um, next clip. And uh, one thing I want to say before, you'll, you're going to hear in this clip and uh, Kamala's clip, just uh, skipping the audio. This is me just cutting out uh, a YouTube ad. Uh, the audio is still complete. It's just uh, the ad being cut out. Okay. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say just to add to that beforehand is mm-hmm. that like of the 97% that do agree that um, there's uh, anthropogenic or man-made contributions to climate change, then of those 97%, what percentage of them actually believe that it's the only impact or, you you know what I mean? Or do they also contribute, okay, there is natural climate change happening as well in addition to man-made climate change. And then how are those two interplaying with one another? Like of the, like of those ninety seven percent, I would imagine some of them would be like that too, right? But maybe they just don't get as much clout because, you know, it, it implies being more nuanced about situation. It implies going into more details about it, kind of, and then that's where you lose people. You know, <laughs> once you get too much into the details, that people tune out. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to actually go back to I think the main reference this ninety seven percent is coming from mm-hmm. came from this journal. Um, uh, scientific journal uh, write-up in Environmental Research Letter, Volume 11, Number 4. Mm-hmm. And here's a quote. So it says, the number of papers rejecting AGW, that's anthropogenic global warming or human-caused global warming, is a minuscule proportion of the published published research, with the percentage slightly decreased. The, the percentage slightly decreasing over time among papers expressing a position on AGW, an overwhelming percentage, 97.2 based on self rating and 97.1 based on abstract rating endorse the scientific consensus on AGW. Again, to your point, all they're saying is they agree with AGW, which is just saying, yes, they're, you know, humans are contributing to global warming. It's not saying they're not 
none of those are uh, clearly stating their opinion on what percentage of it is, if they think it's mm-hmm. exclusively that, uh, exactly. and how how other factors are contributing to it, non-anthropogenic mm-hmm. as well. Which is really where the conversation becomes a bit more complicated, right? Because then you start to factor in, okay, there's, granted, there's anthropogenic climate change, but then there's natural climate change, and then it becomes a game of, okay, how do you evaluate which one is contributing more than the other? Absolutely, because why would you write a policy to, to cut down on fossil fuels if 70% is due to, of, of global warming and climate change um, impacts are due to uh, natural, out of man's control uh, influences, basically, on mm-hmm. this planet. It wouldn't mm-hmm. make sense to necessarily hit it as hard. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a minuscule impact by your actions, whereas the majority of the impact is in something that is beyond your control, it's kind of like we got to put things into perspective and see things from the big picture. Okay, yeah. so you want to go into that second clip? Let's do it. Well, first, I'm very proud of our record on the environment and on conservation. According to all of the best estimates, our, our air and land are cleaner than any time ever recorded. And our water is among the cleanest in the world. And just a little while ago, the president signed the Outdoors Act, the largest investment in our public lands and public parks in 100 years. So President Trump has made a commitment to conservation and to the environment. Now, with regard to climate change, the climate is changing. But the issue is, what's the cause and what do we do about it? President Trump has made it clear that we're going to continue to listen to the science. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would put us back in the Paris Climate Accord. They'd impose the Green New Deal, which would crush American energy, would increase the energy costs of American families, in their homes, and literally would crush American jobs. And President Trump and I believe that the progress that we have made in a cleaner environment has been happening precisely because we have a strong free market economy. You know, what's remarkable is the United States has reduced CO2 more than the countries that are still in the Paris Climate Accord, but we've done it through innovation, and we've done it through natural gas and fracking, which, Senator, the American people can go look at the record. I, I know Joe Biden says otherwise now, as you do, but the both of you repeatedly committed to abolishing fossil fuel and banning of fracking. And so by creating the kind of American innovation, we're actually steering toward a stronger and better environment. With regard to wildfires, President Trump and I believe that forest management has to be front and center and even Governor Gavin Newsom from your state has agreed we've got to work on forest management. And with regard to hurricanes, the National Oceanic Administration tells us that actually as as difficult as they are, there are no more hurricanes today than there were 100 years ago. Thank you. But many of the climate alarmists use hurricanes and wildfires to try and sell their bill of goods of a Green New Deal. And President Trump and I are going to always put American jobs and American workers first. I love when you try to get the last, you know, 10 seconds over time. Just like, I got to I got to I got to say that last little bit here. Yeah. Just pay no mind. Keep on talking. Keep even on though talking. they're trying to pause, like yeah. get you to stop. Like, nope, I'm <laughs> going to finish this thought. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and actually, this debate is so much better than the actual presidential debate. Like, th- mm-hmm. these two candidates are way more respectful of not talking over top of each other. But um, still, for the first one, anyway. Yeah, for the first one. <laughs> uh, okay, so what I want to talk about here is, you know, all I heard when Trump got into office was cl- Trump is a climate change denier. Okay, and he's dismantling the U.S. EPA. And he has done, done some of that. And I do want to dive into some of the changes that have happened to the e, uh, US EPA, maybe in another podcast. But uh, it was clear from that response from Mike Pence that uh, whether or not these are the real uh, beliefs of, of Donald Trump, which I don't suspect they are, but uh, it's clear that his administration, you know, is uh, uh, willing. It, he says clearly there that you know the climate is changing that's not the disputed fact he 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 says there he says the climate is changing but the issue is what what's the cause and what do we do about it okay mm-hmm. and the other thing i wanted to point out there cuz I, I had no idea what this was when he mentioned it um <clears throat> but he talks about uh president trump signing this uh significant um act uh it was the great american outdoor act uh, I just quickly looked into what this is. So uh, here's a quick uh, bit on this. So um, this is the Great American Outdoor Act. Each year, millions of people from all over the world visit and enjoy our national parks. It's in the U.S. Yet today, more than 5,500 miles of paved roads and 1,700 miles of trails and 2,400 buildings in our national park are in need of maintenance and improvements. Fulfilling present. President Donald Trump's promise to restore, conserve, and protect American Americans' land, the Great American Outdoors Act, provides a necessary fund, uh, funds dictating up to one point nine, dedicating sorry, up to one point nine billion per year for five years to fund, uh, to funds deferred, uh, to funds deferred maintenance projects identified by the National Park Service, the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, Forest Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Land Management, and the Bureau of Indian Education. These infrastructure updates will preserve our most important national treasures and give more Americans and their families opportunities to explore the great outdoors. One point eight billion per year, eh? Dang. Right. For yeah. Five years. It's a pretty penny. It's a pretty penny. Now, I when I read this though, I do think it is it's preserving um, parkland, you know, but it's specifically preserving infrastructure in these lands. But it's uh, to me, it's not necessarily an indication to do anything with uh, climate change. Mm-hmm. But it is uh, it is evidence of uh, you know there is a will within that. Uh, former administration to uh to maintain some of you know the 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 environment uh natural environment in the america in america um which i just thought was interesting because i personally was led to believe and i think a lot of people were believe that that was not of interest at all by the administration um Mm -hmm. so that is uh the other thing is the paris climate accord that's a whole can of worms we could get into and maybe it's a topic for another uh, podcast, but mm-hmm. that's the other part, which uh, it isn't so. It, yeah, I won't even comment on that. Let's play the next. Let's listen to uh, what uh, Kamala Harris has to say. Okay. 
And is this Kamala Harris's response to uh, just to set it up? Well, yeah, make- just to set it up. Uh, Susan, the moderator, is going to ask another question. She's not going to get the same question um, mm-hmm. as Mike Pence did. Uh, so you'll hear the question from Susan, and then you'll hear uh, her response. Okay, cool. Senator Harris, as the vice president mentioned, you co-sponsored the Green New Deal in Congress. But Vice President Biden said in last week's debate that he does not support the Green New Deal. But if you look at the Biden-Harris campaign website, it describes the Green New Deal as a crucial framework. What exactly would be the stance of a Biden-Harris administration toward the Green New Deal? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Sure. So first of all, I will repeat, and the American people know, that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. That is a fact. I will repeat that Joe Biden has been very clear that he thinks about growing jobs, which is why he will not increase taxes for anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. Joe Biden's economic plan, Moody's, which is a reputable Wall Street firm, has said will create 7 million more jobs than Donald Trump's. And part of those jobs that will be created by Joe Biden are going to be about clean energy and renewable energy. Because you see, Joe understands that the west coast of our country is burning, including my home state of California. Joe sees what is happening on the Gulf states, which are being battered by storms. Joe has seen and talked with the farmers in Iowa whose entire crops have been destroyed because of floods. And so Joe believes, again, in science. I'll tell you something, Susan. I served, when I first got to the Senate, on the committee that's responsible for the environment. Do you know this administration took the word science off the website and then took the phrase climate change off the website? This, we have seen a pattern with this administration, which is they don't believe in science. And Joe's plan is about saying we're going to deal with it, but we're also going to create jobs. Donald Trump, when asked about the wildfires in California, and and the question was, you know, the science is telling us this. You know what Donald Trump said? Science doesn't know. So let's talk about who is prepared to lead our country over the course of the next four years on what is an existential threat to us as human beings. Joe is about saying we're going to invest that in renewable energy. It's going to be about the creation of millions of jobs. We will achieve net um, zero emissions by 2050, carbon neutral by 2035. Joe has a plan. This has been a lot of talk from the Trump administration, and really it has been to go backward instead of forward. We will also reenter the climate agreement with pride. Okay. So you heard in that clip that the Biden-Harris campaign website described the Green New Deal as a crucial framework. Yeah. But... Which she didn't address at all in the question. Right. She, she then goes on to say, but Biden doesn't support the Green New Deal. Or that's not even, uh, that was what the moderator said. So I want to, I went back and found what he said there. This is from the presidential debate. Let's quickly play that uh, clip. That's clip, uh, clip four. You support? No, I don't support the Green oh, New Deal. Oh, you don't? Oh, well, well that's a big let, statement. I support that means you the just lost the radical left. I, su- okay. I support oh, the don't. Biden plan that I put forward. Okay. The Biden plan, which is different than what he calls the radical Green New Deal. Okay. So, <laughs> doesn't support the Green New Deal. It's a crucial framework, but he supports the Biden plan. Uh, so, what is the Biden plan? Um, 
let's look here. So we, we got a little taste of it in uh, Senator Harris's response there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Joe Biden's uh, plan uh, still involves moving the grid uh, off of fossil fuels towards renewables, but his timeline is less ambitious, which was one of our biggest criticisms of the Green New Deal. Um, mm-hmm. And for like many it, people, too. For many people, too. And if you're not familiar with the Green New Deal and the goals of it, go back uh, one episode and you'll hear us go right through all of it. Yep. Um, so instead of it being 10 years from when the Green New Deal was first uh, proposed, which was 2019, which would, would have made it by 2030, he's he's talking about net zero emissions happening in 2050 and carbon neutral uh, by 2035. And this is actually a, a bigger plan you, that's, I believe, come out of the UN, uh, and it's all under the Build Back Better uh, that a lot of countries are, are doing post-COVID. It's regarding, you know, you'll hear them talking about it in the UK, in European countries, You'll these targets of 2050 for carbon neutral all coming there. So Joe Biden's plan, very similar to this global plan. Um, Wait, but when they say net zero 2050, carbon neutral 2035, like carbon, like aren't those the same thing? What's the difference? So carbon neutral, carbon neutral would be essentially you are capturing and releasing carbon on equal equal amounts, right? And then net zero, yeah, so net, zero. <laughs> net zero emissions. Is that what that's uh, net zero emissions. Yeah. The difference between the two is zero, is or is neutral. That's a, we should look into that. I I don't know. That is a uh, or just like fancy semantics for people to like oh to distract people. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> and side tangent. The side Maybe it could be my total lack of awareness. So. But he will, uh, Joe Biden will not ban fracking, as also pointed out there. And when I looked through the campaign website, it seems to me that saying the Green New Deal is a crucial framework is really just pandering for votes for people that support the Green New Deal. Because it really, if you look at his his plan, it, it has a lot, lot of what's in the Green New Deal not even discussed like the green new deal is both environmental and socio socioeconomical all this stuff about jobs guarantees and stuff like that none of that stuff is in 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 biden's plan so i really think the green new deal stuff from biden's uh perspective was was just added in there from kamala kamala's harris's wait so you're saying even though it's on his website he doesn't support gnd even though it's on, I think he added that it's a crucial framework like that was added onto the website because Senator Harris, because this is this is the Harris Biden presidency, right? You know, we 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 at most we're gonna get four years of, or not most, sorry. I guess for the next four years we're gonna have mm-hmm. Biden, right? The U.S. will will have Biden as a president, mm-hmm. and um, there is so to me this. You know, but it is both a Biden. It's been pushed as a very much Biden Harris, um, you know, campaign. So, yeah. and uh, Senator Harris has been pro Green New Deal, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe the statements that were, were said there uh, previously um, about banning fracking are are true. Yeah. Um, 
so they had this opinion and were vocally saying it in the past. But they're not hey, going to ban it, but they're going to phase it out or phase it out, so, right? Just uh, backwards way of saying the same thing, right? Um, so, uh, but what? So what? Going back to it is, it's it doesn't it resembles only portions of some of the climate target like like the net zero stuff it's about like basically banning fossil fuels that's the similarity of the green new deal i think them saying it's a crucial framework was really just to get people on the uh, senator harris's side in that that community of people that supported the green new deal to vote joe biden senator harris that's why i think it was more to do with but that's the thing though like he is pro all that extra socio-economic stuff that's attributed to the Green New Deal. That's that's my perspective anyways on Biden is that, yeah, the Green New Deal, there's the environmental stuff, then there's the socio-economic stuff. And I guess what you're saying is that Biden, he's incorporating the environmental stuff and leaving out the socio-economic stuff. My contention is he is very much pro both of those things, both the socio-economic reliefs uh, because he's going to be spending out the wazoo, that's for sure, and right. uh, also with the environmental stuff, he's he's so he's pro on both fronts. Oh yeah, taxes are going up, but I mean, I didn't look into Biden's plans outside of his plan specifically for climate. Okay. His, cli- his climate stuff didn't. I guess maybe, of course, he will have his 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 stance on all the other parts of mm-hmm. it. So the there could be a lot of similarities there. But let's not get tied up too much on that. Um, uh, One thing she ends with is uh, this, you know, off-the-cuff kind of remark uh, about climate change being an existential threat. Mm -hmm. Let's hear uh, this next clip from uh, Susan, uh, the, the moderator says, or basically poses a question to Mike Pence, do you believe that climate change is an existential threat? Let's see what he has to say. (laughs) Nothing like the existential threat question. (laughs) Climate change is an existential threat. Vice President Pence, do you believe that climate change poses an existential threat? As I said, Susan, the climate is changing. We'll follow the science. But uh, once again, uh, Senator Harris, is denying the fact that they're going to raise taxes on every American. Joe Biden said twice in the debate last week that on day one, he was going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Those tax cuts delivered $2,000 in tax relief to the average family of four across America. And with regard to banning fracking, I just recommend that people look at the record. You yourself said repeatedly that you would ban fracking. You were the first Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And while Joe Biden denied the Green New Deal, Susan, thank you for pointing out the Green New Deal is on their campaign website. And as USA Today said, it's essentially the same plan as you co-sponsored with AOC when she submitted it in the Senate. And you just heard the senator say that she's going to resubmit America to the Paris Climate Accord. Look, the, the American people have always cherished our environment. We'll continue to cherish it. We've made great progress reducing CO2 emissions through American innovation and the development of natural gas through fracking. We don't need a massive $2 trillion Green New Deal that would impose all new mandates on American businesses and American families. Thank you. Joe Biden wants us Thank to you, retrofit 4 million Thank American you, business yes. buildings. It makes no sense. It will cost jobs. President Trump Thank is going to put President. America first. He's going to put jobs first. And we're going to take 
care of our environment and follow the science. Thank you, Okay. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, he, he doesn't answer the question. <laughs> but I, I don't blame him because I think, again, the question on whether or not climate change is an existential threat is a tricky question to answer because let me ask you this. Are volcano eruptions an existential threat? Are asteroid impacts an existential threat? Well, they could be if it's a super volcano. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a very large asteroid, sure. Mm -hmm. But the small asteroid, not a big problem. Small volcano, not a big problem. So it, to me, it's like you're asking, is, is it an existential threat? Climate change could be. I think it's a matter of how fast, how hard it is going to hit us, and what is our ability to adapt to it? Because if we can adapt to it, it's not the existential threat that the large asteroid is or the super volcano. That's a very quick, sudden event that we have no time to react to. Now, we're talking about a gradual increase that is increasing in its speed based off current models for climate change. But even with the projections we're headed on now, the thought that we cannot adapt and not and and in a way that doesn't result in massive casualties to the planet is not something that I think is out of the question. Um, and that's what I want to highlight here. So just because he doesn't straight up say he doesn't think it's an existential threat isn't to me, because I would see some people saying, well, he doesn't take this seriously. I think, you know, you, you can say it's not an existential threat because you're taking these other things into consideration. Like adaptation is huge for us here in this case. And you know, if we end up with climate change hitting us so hard that we end up in a Mad Max world, I think that is not a complete wipeout of the human species. But yeah, it hit us hard enough that that might as well be an existential threat. But if we mm -hmm. get hit and, you know, we're backing up cities, moving, having to change the way we grow food, uh, all this stuff over, over the period of the next hundred years, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but it's not, it's not an existential threat it's not going to wipe us out or put us into a into a post apocalyptic world is is what i wanted to say here it's like they're almost painting this day after tomorrow scenario like that movie where freaking all the water rose up to this like uh statue of liberty yes. all the way yes. up to the, the the head of the statue of liberty then like the snow came down like like it's like on that level for them it's, it's on like, that level that like suddenly it's like there's an asteroid <laughs> 20 days away from hitting the planet like we're about to die like this is life and death <laughs> it's such an exaggeration and uh, yeah and it's like it's not to negate the seriousness of the issue, no. but it's like when you're gonna like emphasize it to such a like to the nth degree where it brings all this like anxiety into people, then that's when you kind of lose them. And they're like, oh well, you know what? It's just uh, futile. You know what? I'm just gonna give up. But like mm -hmm. when you because a lot of times when you just put all that on people, it's an existential crisis. Like we're gonna die. Like do something. Da, da, da. You know, people are just like just tune out. People just tune out. They don't got time for that. They gotta worry about like their bills. They gotta they gotta like more you know concrete stuff. Paying the food, pay, like paying the bills, making sure there's food on the table, all that stuff. Yeah, I I, I think because there are 
multiple people that will tune it out. It's like that I got other things to do than to think about this. There are, and then there's the, if you look into it enough, you realize, okay, this is a horrible exaggeration. You tune it out because it just sounds ridiculous. And then there's yeah. people that are, are literally taking it to the point because they, they feel, uh, the anxiety this is what we've talked about in past episodes about uh, climate anxiety climate anxiety that that you know this motivating um protest but the part of what has caused the climate anxiety has been media exaggeration and political exaggeration of the pro of of the problem not because it's not serious and it is a big problem but because they felt to to explain it at the appropriate level was not going to be good enough to achieve the response they need. Mm-hmm. We so got to dial it up to we 11. Dial it up to 11. Crisis mode. Get your shit together. It's, ah. Danger. <laughs> There's a tidal wave about to wipe out the city type of like vibes. Yes, Defcon 7 or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so well, that is the uh wrap up of what I had uh mm. there. Yeah, no. Those are, those are some interesting clips, and it kind of like goes to show like neither politician will really answer a question straight. Yep. And one thing I will say to Pen- about Pence's response was though he did say we'll follow the science, so it's not like a direct response, but you know it's kind of like like both people, both sides of the aisle would give a typical response like that. So it's like you know it is what it is. Like they're all the same. Yeah. We'll follow the science. We'll follow the science. And okay. then the other guy's like, you're not following the science. Then you're not following the science. So it's like, who's actually following the science? Like, what the <laughs> <hell>? <laughs> like both parties accuse the other of not following the science. And both parties claim to be following the science. So, like, do your math there. Like, what? Just doesn't add up. <laughs> Something doesn't add up. <laughs> so it's like, which of the realities do you believe? Yeah. And, I mean... And in the truth is that it's probably somewhere in between. One is talking about forest management, right? Forest management is important. Yeah, you don't want to leave a bunch of dead bushes and dead leaves and all this stuff accumulating there because, yeah, it leads to more things that can burn. <laughs> you know, like it's it's not like rocket science here. Yeah, and, and just yeah. going back to the science part, mm-hmm. it is obnoxious to me when I hear... And it tends to be happen way more on the left. Follow the science. Follow the science. They will only follow the science when the science is saying what they want them it to say. When you mm-hmm. when there are good, when there is sorry when there is good scientific work being done that goes against something, it will not you will not hear about it and it will be pushed up against. And whatever they can, a lot of cases mm-hmm. whatever they can do to to discredit will happen so it's yep. it's like listen to the science but only if it's fitting the narrative that we're building our 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 administration around yeah which is which just really means that you're dishonest and disingenuous with your claims of following the science and it's really petty and i can't really trust you so it's like okay where do we go from here <laughs> yeah because uh, you're saying follow the science, but meanwhile, I see you doing all this dishonest, shady stuff where you're not actually following the science y- yourself, making it seem as though you are, you're, you know, posturing. But in reality, that's not what's taking place. And or e- like w- even with this moderator, like some of the questions, like the way that it was phrased, it was like, 
you know, do you believe the conclusions of the scientific community? It's like, let me put it like this. Science is never conclusive. As soon as you say that it's conclusive, then you're probably inconclusive, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> that was a silly way of saying that. There's never a conclusion. There's there's never a conclusion in science, even when it comes to something that we know to be 100 percent true. Even when it comes to something like evolution and gravity, you know, gravity and light. Is it a particle or is it a wave? That debate raged on forever within science. So I I just dislike this whole notion that the scientific community is always unanimous on something there's no you know diverse opinions within the scientific community it's just a really dishonest take of how science is done yeah and it's mostly these freaking art journalist people trying to talk about science but they don't even know what the hell is science about maybe they maybe took one chemistry course in like grade 10 and then they're like <laughs> okay screw this um out of here now they're talking about science 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 like bro you don't even know science it slaps you in your face they are like the hell talking about science there's a lot of people i i, I find or I, I see listen to in the media that have no problem being subservient to science like almost like as long as it comes from a scientific body whatever they say they have no problem parroting as as the undisputed truth and i think the here's not the issue because science generates a lot of valid material and 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 when it comes to climate stuff i think there are a lot of important studies out there that are telling us you know somewhat accurate things and accurate things somewhat you know everything comes with air bars but i'm not dismissing any of it my point here is if you're asked as an individual if you're not in the scientific community whether you think this is good science and it's not your field of expertise you can one rely on, um, you know, just the, the the group of scientists in there. They have specialized knowledge. You can count on them to do it. But I would respect you for saying, okay, I've looked at this vague, you know, a little bit as well. It makes sense to me in a general sense. But you don't you don't have the specialized knowledge, so you sh- you shouldn't really be commenting on unless you completely understand it, like what the valid the validity of it is. So when you have a politician or anybody being asked whether they believe in science. You know, it's very hard because they just have to they have to just take it at at that specialized person's uh, conclusion. Like they're, you know, and to me, it's like everything, you know, you, you can trust it. But the the best response to it, if someone says, do you believe in this scientific article, especially if there's two that have contradictory outcomes, is, is somebody that says, yeah, I need to go look at it. I guess they're sorry. This is like a politician I'm talking about. You know, I'm gonna like look at listen to this guy's argument from experts and listen to this guy's experts, and then here I'm gonna come back to you. I don't know. That's what I want to hear them say they're gonna do. Not just they'll just choose a side and just expect like yes, Mm -hmm. that's it. Uh, But you know, where you pretty much have the answer in mind and you just kind of seek whatever side will feed that to you. This that kind of confirmation bias where you're just kind of looking for people that will just say what you want them to say that yes man you know mentality and everybody just wants that yes man that validation feels so good like yes yes you agree with me yes yes there's like a psychological strength to that yeah but uh to say that you know there's scientific uh, like a unanimous scientific voice and there's no discussion about um you know within science about how things progress like how do you think science progresses how do you think things change 
because people take in different models, different theories about how the world works. They test them, they get results, they repeat the test, get similar results, and then the models develop, science changes. So like the same people that say believe in science, believe in science are almost like limiting and shrinking science to such a small window and they're holding it as science in one specific time in one specific place meanwhile science is diverse science is changing science is ever flowing everything every time you think you know science it it it, it can move you know like so for you to hold on to like science as though it's some certain point okay Mm -hmm. we have science therefore we have certainty I feel like that's what people are like have this some some sort of like weird fantasy that if they have science they have certainty they have all the answers right but it's like sorry science doesn't give you all the answers science just gives you a set of tools that you can use to figure things out science in itself isn't the the, the end all be all to your problems no. it's almost being like it's it's almost being used in this dogmatic That's way it. yep. where it's just like follow the science or die like it's almost mm-hmm. this religion science is the new religion i've heard that the yeah science is the new religion of people where you either follow it or if you don't, then you're not part of my crew, and let's wage a war on you. It's like dogma. You know? Dogma. It, it, as soon as something becomes dogma, unquestionable, it it's a problem. And science is all about questioning, question everything. And there's mm-hmm. been like, look at this. We used to think that the sun rotated around the Earth. Now we realize the Earth rotates around the sun. Okay, yeah. that's just an example of a complete flip of a of a a concept right Mm -hmm. i'm not saying this and i don't think you're saying this to try to undermine the fact that man-made climate change is is uh these these articles are are just uh are are wrong but i'm saying it is is so important to allow the community and the scientific community to continue to push on counter arguments to that Okay, because if that keeps happening and we keep getting the same result where, oh, yeah, it looks like uh, man-made climate change is the driving factor, then we're in a better spot to say conclusively it is the case. Why are we closing the book on it or why is the media and politicians making us have to like right now stop? This is the conclusion. We must go by this right now. It's because they want this to be the conclusion so that they can enact with a confidence, their 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 policies and plans, and honestly, like there are some of these policies and plans are go- are going to be good for the for for the environment and the climate. But there are other things gained by them implementing these that are outside um, interests beyond just climate change. And we'll probably talk about this more in another episode. But it's it's very disturbing to me that they just want to say, you know, book closed. Here we are, that 3%, they're nothing. Listen to this 97%. And again, if you look at science too, the other part about science is it comes at a lot of universities. Universities need funding. And, um, you know, so money does drive the direction studies go. And that doesn't completely corrupt and bias scientists across the board, but it does prioritize what they study. And um, it's another thing that everybody has to keep in mind that research being done in one direction if that's where the money coming from is going to get more attention and 
more research. So yeah, you, you have gotta, to balance that gotta, into everything as well. Got to get the money to do the research, right? That's and that's the game that these researchers, professors are always doing. They're trying to sell it as super important, super critical work, so they can get the funding, this and that. But like, I want to say that even if ninety-seven percent of scientists do b- believe in and acknowledge anthropogenic climate change, mm-hmm. to me, what is the follow-up to that in terms of okay, what's the solution? And the solution that's being proposed is just okay we'll go and use solar and wind that's like the extent of the solution that i'm really hearing we'll go on to the paris climate you know accord uh, which pretty much means you know carbon taxes uh so jack up to taxes um and it's, it's like what are the solutions that they're actually proposing they haven't really proposed anything like they just said we're going to follow the science what does that mean uh, wind and solar. Okay, wind and solar, great. But you know what? Well, there's going to be a whole slew of other technologies that you need in association with wind and solar. So how is that all going to play out? Oh, that's where the Green New Deal comes in, eh? That's where your framework comes in. Oh, well, you just said you weren't for it. But so are you or not? Like, because wind and solar, that's the huge thing of uh, Green New Deal. So I guess if you're taking that, then wind and solar is your main solution. So is that what the scientific community is purporting is the best solution, right? So again, 97% agrees with climate change. Okay, but then what what did they conclude as the solution being? Right. Right, well, nobody talks about that. And I'm sure that the uh, solutions being proposed by these scientists are not all unanimous where oh, 97% believe that this is the solution. Because, hey, you know what? Everybody's geographical region is different. Everybody's dealing with a different set of circumstances. Some people are coastal. Some people are more along fault lines. Some people are more desert, mountainous, so on and so forth. Yeah. And it's just, uh, again, like, it's really disingenuous to the intent of what science is when you're claiming all this unanimity Science has never been unanimous except for in its search for truth. Mm. That's the only thing that science has ever been unanimous on is that it is a tool base and a tool method in order to search for the truth. And we don't fundamentally know what the truth is with with the situation. But okay, let's say 97% again agree that there's anthropogenic climate change what are we going to do and the solutions are wide and various and there are no unanimous solutions being proposed right now i can tell you that for a certainty um and wind and solar that's kind of another portion of what we wanted to get into i'm not sure if it's worth getting into this time we're saying it for her another time i don't know what you think yeah you know what maybe we close this one off and touch on that on the next one okay yeah let's touch on because uh this really does tie into um the use of wind and solar which is kind of i alluded to at the beginning was what we were going to talk about but we didn't really get into that too much but it does tie into this as the um continuation of the discussion because okay it's 97% agree that there's anthropogenic climate change, but what do we do about it? So then this is where people propose, okay, we need wind power, we need solar power, but then we need to look at those technologies with a closer lens, and we're going to leave it off at that. And for the next one, we're going to dive deeper on looking at, okay, how does wind, how does solar work, how much area do we actually need for these 
uh, solar uh, power generating facilities, these yeah. wind power facilities, and um, you know what that means. For example, in terms of farmland that's consumed, you know, some people sometimes people talk about that. Oh, we're gonna uh, use up all our farmland for all these solar farms and whatnot. Well, we'll we'll actually have some numbers for you in terms of how much of that farmable area could potentially be taken up by these solar farms or wind farms, and um, yeah, also just looking at how our uh, political elites how our political leader class has analyzed these as being the top priority the number one solution right we need battery technology with wind and solar and all that good stuff and yeah we're gonna dive deeper on all that fun uh, techie geeky stuff so tune in for the next episode of first principles podcast where we'll do that and thanks for joining us this time on uh, Fresh Principles Podcast, we really went in on some uh, new formatting, went in on some of the, um, I guess, uh, the, the media clips that exist out there that really portray certain biases that we disagree with, or not even that we disagree with, but we just want to point out as being disingenuous. And we're going to be doing more of that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to say that this is an evolving podcast. If you've been listening from the beginning, you're going to hear us uh, change up the format a bit here. Um, what I would like to get to eventually is a format that uh, has a consistency to it. And we're working towards that. And there's more to come in terms of how you could support it if you do like uh, uh, what we're doing here. Um, so just stay tuned, and uh, but hopefully you liked uh, this new concept of uh, media dissection. I think it's been helpful in terms of um, us getting our point across because it's easy for us to say A and B said this and that, but to actually hear these actual politicians, these CEOs say these things, um, it's, it's very powerful, uh, I think. And um, I hope to do more of this as we go on, but keeping with our roots of first principle where we get into the calculations, you know, Trees and myself, we're both uh, engineers at heart. We want to continue to do the calculations part of it. Yep. And, and we're going to get into that next time, 100%. You know, listen, this is a, this is a changing uh, landscape here. We, the, the moving from a fossil fuel driven um fossil fuel driven grid to this hybrid system of, of uh, renewable energy it's going to be complex and it needs to be done uh, it needs to be done with um, lots of considerations done depending on where 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 you're implementing this uh, this technology and so we're going to try to show how broad policies can be problematic and unique solutions should be sought after for a lot of um, these transitions. But I think it can be done. And the ideal for, uh, you know, outcome for me would be a transition that has the least impact on everybody. And I think that's what everybody's going for. And, uh, you know, the transition will never, you know, completely um, remove fossil fuels from the picture. But more on that in the next podcast, because I think we should wrap this shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Too much? Well, that was the first business of the podcast. Thank you very much, guys. See you next time. Peace. Peace.